Hello and welcome to episode number 30 of News of the Nerd, the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, comic books and anything else remotely nerdy. And today we will be talking about episodes 4 and 5 of Loki Series 2. I am Jason and I'm here with my brother slash co-host, Ben. Hello! As we will talk about, the time slipping has started again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so you've been away for a week you had a good time yeah yeah it was really good it was tiring drank way too much but it was very good <laughs> very good well we'll uh jump straight into news because there's a few things to talk about because we've got two weeks worth of news as we always do when there's something a bit more depressing to talk about we'll start with that bit of news Don't do it. Don't that do it. is of course the passing of matthew perry Chandler Bing himself, which was uh, a big shock to everyone, I think. Yeah. It wasn't old, was he? Was he in his 50s? Uh, yeah, very early 50s. Late 40s? Like 49 or 50s, F- I think, weren't 54, it? 54. 54. So, no, it wasn't old. I mean, this the, they're still examining it. Like, they haven't actually released his cause of death because obviously there's no cause of death release there's been a lot of speculation about it um well yeah because he did he did have some abuse problems and he's admitted that but he turned his life around and set up homes for people like that so it upsets me that people go straight to that yeah and that's it like i and I, i don't want to focus on that anyway i feel like you know let's just remember him for Obviously, his great roles, but, you know, one stands out above the rest. And like I said, that is Chandler. Uh, I I do think it's interesting. It has been cool to hate Friends in recent years. Like, there was kind of a backlash against Friends. And then all of a sudden, Matthew Perry dies and everyone fucking loved Friends again. It's one of them, isn't it? Like... It really was a... I, I think sometimes the reason people hate on it, and it's younger people as well who weren't watching it when it first came out, and it does kind of seem these days like uh, just your typical sitcom setup and nothing special about it. But I think that's the typical sitcom setup nowadays because of Friends. Friends really did... Uh, reinvent the sitcom genre. I know Matthew Perry himself did say, when I die, I'd like friends to be listed behind helping people. He he didn't want that to be what he was remembered for. And I think it's hard because obviously it was such an iconic thing. Yeah, but that was never not going to be what he was remembered (laughs) for. But I think people need to remember that as well and not just be like, oh, he's died. I love Friends. Ignore yeah. my Twitter post from 10 years ago where I said it's the most useless show ever. But uh, it, it always happens though, doesn't it? Any influential figure dies that's been on our screen, people start watching their stuff again. Yeah, I've, I've re-watched Friends for the first time in quite a while uh, this weekend. Cause I'm, not, Ch- I'm, not, I'm not ready. Channel 5 did have a uh, Best of Chandler yeah, Friends of Fun. Uh, so I watched a few of those. And I'm just not ready because you know what I was like with friends when I was younger. And 
I owned every DVD. I've watched this it from start to finish at least 10 times. I, I, I loved Friends as a kid, so it is so sad. Let's get it right. I think I owned every DVD, and then I gave them to you when I moved out. <laughs> no, no, I bought the I, box set. I think that's what happened. No, I bought the box sets. Okay. You did you did give me quite a lot, but then I bought like a okay. collector's edition. Okay, so I I just I just needed to mention that one because yeah, we, we were both friends uh fans and it, it did feel like a a significant passing, like the, the first of the friends cast, and hopefully yeah. the last for a long time as well, uh to to have passed. Just last thing on that, it is it it was heartwarming to see all of the friends cast come back together for his um like a memorial. Yeah. Like they all came back and you could see how much he meant to them. Yeah. Why I mean, the differences over the years. You don't spend a decade filming together without without becoming close. Yeah. You're gonna get on each other's nerves, but when it comes down <laughs> to it. Yeah. We've been doing this for 30 episodes and we hate each other. <laughs> yeah, you, like, you say that like we didn't meet until we started doing a podcast. Who's <laughs> <laughs> hated me since birth? <laughs> no, you, you weren't as annoying before you could talk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I don't want to linger on that one. Another thing I want to quickly touch on because there's not a great deal more to say about it than we have already said, but the dates have been announced for the three special episodes of Doctor Who, uh, the 60th anniversary episodes. The first one is going to be on the 25th of November, so that's in about three weeks' time, Uh, and then weekly after that, so the 2nd and the 9th of December. And then I think there's a Christmas episode as well. So we've got four episodes of Doctor Who coming up soon, which is is very exciting. Um, I, I'm assuming you've probably not had time, but we did mention as well that the entire like Doctor Who back catalogue has been added to iPlayer now. Have you have you watched any of that? Have you touched on it at all? No. The only thing I've watched so far is there's a it's a BBC Four documentary called Talking Doctor Who. And it's presented by David Tennant, and it's basically just clips from the archive of different different people being interviewed about Doctor Who. It's mostly old doctors uh, being interviewed, but there's also like the the guy who invented Daleks is on there being interviewed. Um, there's uh, Elizabeth Sladen is on there being interviewed. So it's just lots of archive footage of interviews, and it it is really interesting. It's definitely worth a watch. There's um, I started watching the last first episode of the latest season of Doctor Who. Okay, with the giant dog. Um, yeah, I haven't finished it because I fell asleep, but I'm okay. going to get I'm going to get through them before the special episode. I just I, I start I started watching Merlin because of the whole. Merlin's Twitter. Have you, have you, have, did I tell you about this? No. So, do you know the show Merlin from like yes. 2008? Yeah, it's yeah. Incredible. It's great. I love it. I, I never watched it. 
I, th- I think it may be like one of the best TV series ever. And there's a lot of people that agree with me. Um, okay. Basically, their Twitter has not posted anything in 10 years. And all of a sudden, they've started sharing where you can watch Merlin. All right. Just all, all of a sudden, out of the blue. So a lot of people are speculating that it, it's more's going to come, which I don't know how it would happen. It's hard to say why without spoilers. I mean, any I, show I with think, magic in. I've, right, okay. I feel like it's basically it's ten years ago. If you haven't watched it, then <laughs> screw you. Basically, it ends Merlin being basically laid to watch over someone's body, and he's basically like, "You've got to stay alive yeah. and watch over their body. They will rise when they are needed." And okay. the last scene is modern day, like a truck drives by, and it's just old man Merlin walking past the lake where he's laid to rest. Okay, so I guess they could follow up on that. I guess they could go f- follow up on his journey to that point. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stories in between there, presumably. Or set it in modern day could happen. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I do want to watch that's on there is uh, Tales from the TARDIS, which I think we did talk about last episode. Um, but I had because I presumed that these were going to be little shorts of old doctors and companions coming back together. But when I looked, they're like ninety minutes each, um, and so I don't know if you if you need to watch the original story that they're talking about before you watch the Tales from the Tardis episode. So I need to look into like what exactly what I need to watch and what order in. Oh, another thing that has been announced though is that for the sixtieth anniversary. They are re-releasing the first, uh, the first encounter of the Doctor and the Daleks, but they've recolorized it. So that old William Hartnell episode, the first, well, but not just the episode, the story, because I think the story was four episodes long, um, has been completely recolorized and is going to be re-released for the sixtieth. Which I'm okay. really excited about. That I think that's really cool. Like the it feels like they've gone to more effort for the 60th than they did for the 50th. Well, yeah, it's more numbers. It's more numbers. I know, but it does. 50th felt like a bigger milestone. But yeah, so can't wait for new Doctor Who written by Russell T. Davis uh, because he hasn't written it since the last. It was since it was David good. Tennant episode. <laughs> no, no, there's been a lot of good Doctor <laughs> Who since then. Uh, but he hasn't written for Doctor Who since the last David Tennant episode. Um, I thought he helped with some of the Matt Smith ones. No, no, I don't think he's had anything to do with it really since. I think oh, he okay. continued writing Torchwood after he left Doctor Who, but uh, I'm not I'm not 100% on that. They've released the titles, haven't they? Oh, they have released the titles, yeah. So uh, I've got those here, actually. So the holiday special will be called The Church on Ruby Road. Oh, so is that... I, I don't know if they've said if that's actually been released on Christmas Day or not yet, but I've got a feeling it's the it is. the holiday special, so I assume so. Yeah, well, for the last few years, it's been released on New Year's Day instead. Uh, okay. Um, but Okay, so the first episode of the three specials, November 25th, is called The Star Beast. Uh, okay. Uh, the 2nd of December episode is called Wild Blue Yonder. And then the last of these David Tennant episodes is called The Giggle. 
Um, and obviously they'll be on BBC One in the UK. If you're not in the UK, they will be on Disney Plus. And if you are in the UK, make sure you paid your TV license. Yes. Okay, so... Um, but yeah, the church on Ruby Road, that intrigues me more than any of the other titles, apart from the giggle, that makes sounds really weird. Well, I think Ruby, is that not the name of the new it's, company? Yeah, so it sounds yeah. like it's it's going to be introducing the new Well, companion. obviously it's going to be introducing her, yeah. It, it's not always the Christmas special that introduces them. But yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to these, and I, I feel like details have still been quite scarce about what they involve. We know David Tennant's coming back. We know uh, Catherine Tate's coming back. We know that they're facing the Toy Maker, played by Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, other than that, there's not there's not really much that we know about it, and that's brilliant. Yes. Yeah, so the other bit of news I was going to move on to this uh, is hot off the press. Like, literally today, Disney Plus have put out a press release advertising their holiday schedule. And most of what is on there is stuff... Who's put this out? Disney Plus have put it out themselves. Um, So most of what is on there is stuff that we already knew. So it is things like Doctor Who, uh, The Santa Clauses Season 2 is coming, uh, two-episode premiere on November 8th. Um, one I know you're looking forward to, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Yes. Two-episode premiere on December the 20th. Oh, we're getting a two-episode premiere. Yeah. Ooh, can't and, and then, not given a date, it just says, this holiday season, Marvel Studios' What If Season 2. Oh, finally! <laughs> we have finally. been waiting for this all year. So, yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't really give anything away. It says... The Watcher continues the journey as our guide through the vast multiverse, introducing brand new and familiar faces throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The animated anthology series questions, revisits, and twists classic Marvel Cinematic moments with an incredible voice cast that includes a host of stars who reprise their iconic roles. So not really any new information other than we know it's coming this holiday season. Um, I, I kind of feel like this is something that I know I, I always prefer weekly releases in general, but I think feel like this is something that they could bulk drop uh, because this it, it it's an anthology series, so you can just pick and choose your episodes uh, that interest you most, and you don't have to work through it in a chronological order necessarily, unless we do a big crossover for the finale again, like we did in season season one. Yeah. So I've got a few from Netflix. Um, one that's quite exciting. December 15th, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. 23 years yeah. after the original. I'm looking forward to that. It's um, by DreamWorks as well. They are... It, I mean, not just DreamWorks, but Ardman Animations, importantly. Yeah. They wouldn't yeah. be worth doing it without Ardman being involved. Um, and I'm not sure if you're bothered about this. It's one of like mm, Rebel Moon Part One, A Child of Fire, and um, it's, it's Zach Schneider. Sorry for swearing. I will probably wait for the reviews on that one, um, but I don't know. I it, I, it I, was meant to be a Star Wars, yeah, episode, wasn't it? It was pitched as that, so it, it was that makes Star me kind of want to watch it, but but. 
I, you know what puts me off Zack Snyderville is Zack Snyder fans. <laughs> Zack Snyder fans make me not I want to you watch. Gonna, I thought you were going to say, do you know what puts me off Zack Snyder? Zack Snyder. No, like when you see him in interviews, he is nowhere near as obnoxious as all, all of his fans on Twitter are. Yeah, but he ruined Justice. Oh, wait, sorry. No, that was... He just ruined weird. something that was already ruined. And that is a difficult job. It, it, I mean, he didn't ruin Justice League. So, but Zack Snyder's version of Justice League is uh, too long. More, it is too <laughs> long, but it is much more tonally consistent. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's it's not a film I'm ever probably going to watch again, but it is much more tonally consistent than the one that was cinematically released. And you know, that's not a bad thing. Um, like, like I say, it's just too long. Uh, the, you know, there's plenty of scenes in there that could have been cut, and if it was being released in the cinema, would have been cut. But I think just because because he got a streaming release, it's like, well, I'm just going to put everything in here. Another one that I'm kind of excited for, December 28th. That date is subject to change, but Pokemon Concierge. So it's by Dwarf Studios, and it's a stop motion animated series season. Okay, and I just think it could be quite fun. Possibly. I, I don't know. Um, I might give it a go. Again, it probably depends on reviews, whether I watch that one or not. Um, and then there's... So December 20th, this is being picked as Netflix's biggest chance to take home next year's Oscars. So okay. it's Bradley Cooper's new movie, Maestro, which he both directs and stars in. And it's it's a biopic. It looks like it's going to be in black and white. Okay, last time Bradley Cooper directed and starred in a film, it did very well. Uh, and so it includes Carrie Mulligan, Matt Bomber, Maya Hawke, Sarah Silverman, and Josh Hamilton. So okay. it's got it's got some good actors in there. And yeah, I always think that modern day black and white films are quite interesting because you don't expect them that often, and they just add a little something. Yeah, well, you know, then it's being done for a reason and not because of. The limitations yeah. of the technology. Yeah. Like Werewolf by Night, which is now being turned to colour. But anyway. Yeah. Have you watched it in colour? You really think I'm going to? <laughs> no, I haven't either. Okay. Next bit of news. Uh, something that we have been following as it's been ongoing is the SAG after a strike. So literally within the last few hours, a article has gone on to Variety that says that SAG-AFTRA are ready to deliver their response on what the studios have called their best and final offer. A so big I know, fat fuck you. I know SAG-AFTRA have been discussing this for the last few days. Apparently they are now ready to deliver their response, but they haven't let slip whether they will be accepting it or not. Um, I mean, if, if they don't, God knows what's going to happen. Probably nothing until the new year at this point. Um, but yeah, the AMPTP describing it as their best and final offer definitely gives the sense that they are not willing to to wiggle anymore. <laughs> there is no wiggle room there. But we'll see. As we've repeatedly said, the AMPTP needs the actors more than the actors need them. Way more. And, uh, I mean, while we're talking about variety, 
Did you did you read? I sent you a variety article. Did you read it? I skimmed it. It was like it was a very 6, long article, thousand pages long. But the gist is that Marvel think no, they are fucked right now. Yeah, and I don't think that's a revelation to anyone. But yeah, so this Variety article, which was written by Titania Siegel, made a few. Um, I mean, what they call revelations, but um, that that is in dispute. Um, but you know, there's the certain things that are mentioned. So one of them is that Marvel Studios considered recasting Jonathan Majors after his initial arrest, which won't be a surprise to anyone. Yeah. Uh, and they've also considered replacing him with Doctor Doom, uh, apparently. I don't know. I'd like that idea, I'm not going to lie. Doctor Doom is a great villain that has just not been given the well, justice. Well, I mean, they haven't had, Marvel haven't had the rights to him for a long time. No, that's what I mean. Obviously, the first... The first Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom, she was getting to Doctor Doom, but he just wasn't there. Doctor Doom is just this incredibly powerful, rich psychopath. I mean, he's he's more than that. He is a a complex villain, um, and the 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 leader of his own country, which we didn't get to in that. But obviously, the the second adaptation of Fantastic Four just ruined. Got to doom. That was just that I was mean, not the less said about that film, the better, I think. <laughs> yeah. The only good thing about that film is um is um um oh wait, there is but... nothing nothing no, good no, about that no. film. <laughs> that is not true. That is not true because the the thing's initial transformation sequence is amazing. Yeah, okay. like that that yeah. was really captivating in that. To be honest, it all falls apart. After they get their powers, up until they get their powers, that is a decent film. Yeah, no, it's to after, be fair, I would agree. It's after that it falls apart, and I feel like that's mostly because what's of the main guy called? What's the main guy called? Oh yeah, I can't remember his what's name. The actor's name is a really good actor. Yeah, yeah, the, the guy who plays Reed. Yeah, on the Marvel stuff though. So do you know a few episodes back, uh, there were some reports that came out from that My Time to Shine Hello. Yeah, Twitter account, and it is a credible source. They have come up with quite a lot. So they are a studio insider. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. has already agreed to come back into Secret Wars. Apparently, yeah. And sources, so the sources have confirmed that from this source. They've said that sources have confirmed, and sources have also confirmed that Chris Evans has agreed to come back for uh, Secret Wars. And and I think that's obvious. I would be surprised. I would be surprised if Cap and Iron Man were not in Secret Wars in one shape or another. I mean, if Robert Downey Jr. won't come back, they just keep his visor down and get a sound alike. Um, but well, yeah, they've I... both agreed to. So it, it, it's essentially the studio going, okay, how much money is this cost? How, yeah. how much money can we give towards this? Um, other revelations in this variety article as if no one saw that there was air quotes so this one is loki season two's finale which we'll be talking about next week will set up kang as the avengers 5 villain which i kind of think we would have assumed anyway 
slightly confused how that's going to happen after these two episodes. Um, but one of the main one of the main uh, things that, that people latched onto with this was that the director of the Marvels started working on a new film while the Marvels was still in production. Well, that's uh, a stupid idea. And Nia DeCosta uh, is working on another project called Header. That 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 is in question. I, I will get to that. Um, what else did they say? Uh, Marvel Studios rushed Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, and that's not going to be a shock to anyone. <laughs> no, you um, could see that was rushed. But th- this is one that has really this puts the article in dispute for me because I think this is a ridiculous suggestion. I can't imagine anyone would have even considered this. But apparently, uh, as we know, Blade has gone through multiple rewrites. Apparently one of those rewrites was uh, a film, it was a narrative led by women filled with life lessons with Blade himself taking a backseat and not being the main character in his own film. Which, when you've got Mahershala Ali signed on to star as Blade, I cannot see you not making him the main character. But when you've got Mahershala Ali in any film, why would you not make him the centre of attention? Yeah. And one of the other major suggestions is that because they know that their brand is in decline and their brand is in trouble... There have been talks about trying to bring back the original six: Hulk, Thor, Hawkeye, Iron Man, Cat, Black Widow. Which again doesn't surprise me. I mean, talks are talks. It doesn't mean that there's any serious movement yeah. on that. But when, when the people in charge of making these films get together and want to look at how to recover their box office numbers, sure, that conversation is going to come up. Like it is not. It, it's, it it's first on the agenda. Yeah, it would. It wouldn't take a genius to come up with that. And you, you know, they're not going to bring them back for entire phases. But like I said, in Secret Wars, everyone's coming back. Surely, in in a film that is essentially the whole premise is people you don't expect appearing. Yeah, it's it's it should be guaranteed that there's going to be that nostalgia effect for people. And we've yeah. talked about that before, how, how much nostalgia can affect the quality of a movie. Yeah. The latest Matrix film is not an, it's not a perfect film. The latest Matrix film is the best Matrix sequel. Uh, that, that is a hill I will die on. That is a beautiful film. It literally brought me to tears it's not, in the it's cinema. It's not perfect, though. But I think it's just the it's nostalgia not, effect as well. It's, no, it's not. It's not even to do with the nostalgia. Like, I I think the nostalgia hurt that because people were expecting it to be like the original Matrix films, and it wasn't. It was something new. It was doing something different, and it had something different to say. And I really appreciated that. Don't cry again. <laughs> I'm not getting You're wiping there. the tears away now. I'm scratching my face. <laughs> <laughs> Something in my eye. I'm not crying, you are. Uh, but you were you were talking about insiders, my time to shine, hello, uh, one of them who you've said is a reliable insider. They have come forward uh and said that most of what has been said in that variety article is wrong. Eric Davis 
who is quite prominent in uh, like film Twitter circles. Uh, he has tweeted that this kind of thing happens all the time with Nia DeCosta. Um, so the Marvels was in post-production. She started working on a new film, but was still heavily involved in what was happening with the Marvels. It, it doesn't mean that she okay, stopped that's, working that's on different. it. That's different than them just stop working. Like, yeah, Variety just trying to get clickbait. Variety are normally quite good, though. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, but they are. Um, I think it is interesting that yesterday Variety put out an article. The headline is "What comes after Marvel? Better hope it's not something worse." And um, this article, this article says a few times how Marvel is dying and the superhero genre is dying and it's on its way out. And let me just find this um... peaks and troughs. Peaks and troughs. It peaked in like 2012. Yeah. Now, yeah, a bit later maybe. When we're at Endgame and Infinity War, I mean, like 2016. 2016. No, that's way too. Like, I'm sure Endgame were like 2019. It was just before. I don't know, time's, time's a fickle thing. <laughs> so this is a, a line from the uh, What Comes After Marvel article in Variety. Many consider the MCU to have been a blight on movies, a virus of process storytelling and CGI overkill that invaded mainstream cinema and toxified it from the inside out. It poisoned the crop. Like, that just shows you, it really seems like Variety is on an anti-Marvel, anti-superhero tirade at the minute. In... It, it feels like such a bad faith article. It's not discussing things from both points of view at all. It is clearly just someone who doesn't like these films. And that's fine. There are people that don't like these films. Uh, you know, everyone has their own opinion. But for what is generally... Uh, a reputable, like, Hollywood trade. It is, um, yeah, it just feels like a really bad faith article. Just like playing devil's advocate, I do kind of see where they're coming from. Maybe not worded in the best way, but as I was saying, do you know, like, with Infinity War and Endgame and the whole multiverse, uh, the whole Infinity Star Saga... Yeah. ...was, like, peak mo superhero movies. But that's like, not even what, what they're saying here. They're not saying, like, it used to be good and now it's not. They're no, saying that the MCU it's... has been a blight on movies. Yeah, because no, no moves are ever going to stand up to that scene with all the portals. No scene is ever in any movie is ever going to be that good. But, they, I mean, they're not, they're not saying that, though. You're saying you're playing devil's advocate, but they are at no point are they saying the MCU was good up until Endgame and now it's not. They are just saying that it has always been bad and now it's dying and what's going to come next? DC. I mean, it, it's possible. <laughs> with, Very uh, possible. With James Gunn taking over DC, I mean, what is the best Marvel film of Phase 3? Uh, phase 3, what are we in now? Phase 27. <laughs> what, what, is the best, what is the best Marvel film in the last few years? It's Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, sure. No, it's Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas Special. <laughs> the holiday special, yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, <laughs> the, the, the Volume 3 was, a, a, you know, a really, really great Marvel yeah. film. Fantastic and, film. And the guy who made that is going to 
work for DC. So it is entirely possible that DC takes the MCU crown. Honestly, I think the best thing Marvel could do now steal James Gunn back. Yes. No, just is is make some lower budget films. Not everything needs to be a huge, you know, half a billion dollar production. Go back to Iron Man One and Captain America: First Avenger budgets. Yeah, they need to make some lower budget films, and they need to make less films. I think two films a year, and maybe one or two TV series, or even you know just one or two of those special presentations that they seem to have given up on now. No, no, they haven't given up on them. They're just adding color. They're just adding color. I can't wait for them to announce Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special in black and white. <laughs> I thought you. I, I think they'll come out with uh, Werewolf by Night in Technicolor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I'm not. I'm not disagreeing that Marvel has been less than stellar in the last twelve months or so. Especially, it, you know, this is the year that we got Quantumania and Secret Invasion. Let's not forget, although we would probably like to. <laughs> Why do you keep reminding me? <laughs> but. I, I just feel like it's disingenuous to to try and claim that it, it has always been bad because in many ways it has been a, a saviour of cinemas. I feel like the best thing that Marvel have produced in the last 12 months is our joke about the scroll offloading zone. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best thing that's come from them. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't just want to sound like a Marvel shill, like I'm, like I'm saying, no, Marvel's still great. Like, no, I know it's got its issues. <laughs> it's been shit, okay? I don't think it's been shit either, because like I said, Guardians Volume 3 happened just this year. I also, I, I like, probably more than most people, I liked Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I, I even liked The Eternals. You know, most people didn't, but I like The Eternals. I think, you know, they have done some good stuff since Endgame, that a lot of people like to ignore. I thought Shang-Chi was good. I think Black Widow is brilliant. Shang-Chi is one of my favourite Marvel films. Um, so, yeah, I, it it does just feel like a hit piece, if I'm honest. It, it feels... That, so the first one the, the, that I mentioned, the Inside Marvel, Crisis at Marvel, that it was called, that one, um, it does read a bit more like... Uh, you know, Marvel is in trouble and they are now panicking and wanting to to reclaim the brand recognition that they used to have. That I, I think is fair and I think most people would agree with. But this other one that came out yesterday, this What Comes After Marvel, does just feel mean-spirited, to be honest. It just feels like someone complaining that they don't like superhero films and there have been a lot of them in the last 10 years. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, just a little bit more Marvel news. Can never have too much Marvel news. No. I'm not a shill. <laughs> <laughs> just a shill of a man. So it's not necessarily news, but more of a kind of insight into what Deadpool 3 is going to exhibit. Apparently lots and lots and lots of cameos. No, just lots of walks in the quarry. <laughs> it's all they've filmed. So, Imagine if the whole thing <laughs> is just, just in that quarry. Yeah, and it's just one shot. You know, like um, they did, what was that war film? 1914. 19... Oh, that is a, do you know what? That is a 
fantastic film. But imagine if it's just that, but with just Deadpool and Wolverine talking as they walk through a quarry for an hour and a half. And but but the cameos it's are just still people... be better than Secret Invasion. The cameos are just people that they walk past. There's just Patrick Stewart in the background. They never even acknowledge him. <laughs> just in wheelchair, just trying to get over a large rock. Who <laughs> got a stone stuck in his wheel? Okay, sorry. What were you going to say? <laughs> so, um, Sean Le- Levy, Levy, Levi, yeah, Le- yeah. Don't know how to say his name. I like this director because he's very outspoken. Do you know what I mean? He, he gives us a lot of it, quotes and things like that. It was it was in an interview with Esquire, and obviously we know that he's a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah, and he's also in the process of developing a Star Wars film for his own, of his own for Lucasfilm. So the two quotes I've got are. I vividly remember the scene in which Luke is hiding from Vader in the Emperor's room, and Vader gives the speech that ends with, if you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps your sister will. It was dead quiet in the theatre. Pin drop silence. Suddenly, Vader has pushed the wrong button. Luke comes screaming out of the shadows and just goes to town in a lightsaber battle against Vader. The, the way that felt, the 40 seconds of stillness from the audience, then the spectacle and emotion is seared not just into my eyeballs, but into my heart. So he then went on to explain the Jedi moment that he's including in De- Deadpool 3, saying, for one key scene in the movie, I said to my stunt and action team, guys, this is the Jedi moment. I pulled up that scene of Vader and Luke on my phone and restudied how it was photographed, how it was blocked, the framing, the tempo, the keen Star Wars fan will see the shot in my Deadpool movie that was inspired by a moment that I saw in a theatre decades ago. That's a forever memory, and that is a treasure. Oh, that's great. So it sounds like he's putting a proper homage to Star Wars in there. Like, Yeah. He talks about how Deadpool 3 will have as much heart and emotion as the other films, saying that I'm going to say this fuckload more than you think. I'm so wary, but one thing Ryan and I were very, really united in was wanting to make Deadpool 3 very much consistent and continuous with the franchise DNA, but to see where we could evolve the third movie. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And I have one more quote from him. This is why I love it. He just gives us so much. Yeah. Uh, Once we knew it was a a Wolverine Deadpool movie, my God, what a gift to any storyteller, because not only do you have two icon actors playing their most iconic roles, but you have two characters whose dynamic is already famously fraught. And anytime you're dealing with characters who start from a place of deep dislike and conflict and difference from each other, the mouth, Deadpool, and the like surly, laconic man of few words, Wolverine, what a great fullness for storytelling. And ultimately, the movie does have much more character, depth, and heart than I think anyone is expecting. Yeah, that, that sounds really promising. And that's what I mean. Like him giving us this, it makes me so excited for this movie. Yeah. And I think it shows the kind of like fourth wall breakage that could happen. Um, yeah. And just. If he's putting things like this in, and I think that Star Wars fans like I know you're not massively into Star Wars, but 
for a massive Star Wars fan to go, that is exactly the scene. Yeah, and I, I can't wait for the YouTube videos that put them side by side. <laughs> Already looking forward All to me that. to go in cinema. That's it. That's it. Jason, <laughs> that's the scene. Just but to I mean, have like a little... Deadpool is one of those films that did seem to like transcend being a superhero film like people who wouldn't normally be into superhero films went to see deadpool and loved deadpool so i think that that film could make a lot of money um but i mean who knows because marvel films was this announced recently... when we did our guess on which is going to be the like the biggest well the the, the biggest the highest grossing film of the year it won't be released this year no, I know, but was was this film announced it, it, when we made that list? It it was it was announced, but we were talking about films of this year. Okay. I mean, who knows now when Deadpool three is going to be released? Because they well, they've it, not changed the release date, have they? Oh, I know they haven't yet, but the actors are still striking and they haven't finished filming, so they have just all in the quarry. <laughs> Um, okay, the last bit of news that I've got that I want to talk about is a trailer was released for Echo, which is being released, the entire series, in one go on January the 10th. So that is early next year. And I think we've both said in the past that we're not particularly looking forward to this. We're not all that bothered about it. Has that changed since you watched the trailer? I think I'm more looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, the, the trailer honestly looks great, I think. Like, it really, it looks much more serious and uh, grounded and adult. So Echo first, she was in Hawkeye, wasn't she? Yeah. She was in the Hawkeye series, which released around this time last year. Was it last year? Was it earlier than that? No, it must have been earlier than that. Was it two years ago? Is it two years since Hawkeye? Yeah. Wow. Twenty twenty one. November twenty twenty one. So literally like two years to yeah. the month. So but it, it looks really, really brutal, basically. Yeah. Like that there's that they don't shy away from, from blood in there, which I think if Kingpin is going to be a large part of it is definitely a good thing because one of one of the best things scares me yeah one of the best things about the daredevil netflix show was kingpin and it was his just pure rage and brutality Uh, that like calm front but can just turn like a switch into just being like this unstoppable force of rage like like the Hulk, but, but I think it's about turning green. How okay he is with the brutality is terrifying. Kind of just sees it as a tool, I think, a tool in his arsenal. Uh, but I think it is. It's very clever of them to focus the trailer around Kingpin, because this is like the whole trailer is narrated by Kingpin. He's um, the attention grabber. Yeah, but but he's a character that everyone is already interested in. It's a character that people already love from the Netflix show. There is also, I don't know if you spotted it, there is a very, very quick shot 
of someone who looks a lot like Daredevil. In a black suit. And I think it has already been announced that Daredevil will be in this. The suit has been um, announced. Like, there's a picture. I yeah. think it's a poster. And Daredevil, Daredevil's not wearing red. He's wearing black. Yeah. And I think it's when they come through the wall, right? Um, No, I, I think it's... The, the, there's a shot of someone jumping over a table. And it, like I said, it is a very quick shot. It's not even a second. But if you pause it just right, it does look like it's Daredevil. But I I respect the fact that they haven't made this entire trailer centered around Daredevil, because I guess that would have been an easy way to get people interested. Yeah. Uh, but I I would imagine he's in an episode, and Kingpin's going to be in more than that. But I I I don't see Kingpin being like a massive massive character in this show. I think he'll probably be in like. Three episodes, maybe. I just I stand by what I say about it could be really good if they focus on the use of sound. Yeah, because and I they've got it, a massive opportunity with it. There's definite definite hints of that in this trailer. Yeah, it's like the way Baby Driver works. Do you know what I mean with the sound? Fantastic it's, film. Yeah, and they can do something in the same genre with this and the death and the tones of things. Yeah. And I think that's where they need to focus on to make this show worth watching. Yeah. It's well, like... I mean, it, it definitely grabbed my attention where, you know, this time last week, I wasn't interested in Echo. After watching this trailer, I suddenly am. Yeah. And I think because she was introduced in Hawkeye, I was expecting more of that tone, which I enjoyed Hawkeye. And I think it worked for those characters, but I wasn't interested in this in in the character of Echo. But now, yeah, I'm I'm much more interested after seeing the tonal shift and the the way it looks like they're going. And th- this looks to me like it's the start of Marvel gearing things uh, more towards adults. And I think Loki has been doing some of that, like. Loki, I wouldn't say, has been a show for kids, but at the same time, it's not it's not bloody or or particularly violent, and it's not got swearing or anything like that in. Whereas this looks like it will have. It, it says here, so underneath the trailer, it says that it is TVMA, which I think which is... Which audiences. It's, yeah, it's the American way of saying, like, 18+. plus. Uh, no, 15 plus. Um, okay. I think, well, since it's, it's mature audiences, is what it stands for. Uh, 18 is X rated in America. No, no, but surely that's 21 because 18 it would be like R rated, but I think they used a different rating system for TV to what they do for um, for, for movies. So I, I've just looked it up. Uh, this is on the, the rating system wiki page. Uh, well, wiki site. It's ratingsystems.fandom.com. So for people okay. who are a fan of rating systems, I guess. This says that TVMA corresponds to the MPA, which is what rates movies. It corresponds to an R rating or the ESRB, which rates video games, to, uh, to an M rating. 
So generally it means that programs with this rating are not suitable for people under 17. So it is definitely more of an, a, a show geared towards yeah. adults. Yeah, and you, you wanted to quickly talk about the other trailer, which was the Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. I think this trailer looks really good. I mean, instantly it just sh- I think it shows this movie's got a big budget. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, no. it it looks to me like like it an, looks like an clean epic. CGI. It looks like an epic. Like it it looks like the monkey equivalent of like Spartacus or Gladiator or something. <laughs> I think the monkey's talking looks a lot better. Yeah, but it always looks kind of weird. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's fucking monkeys talking. It's like nightmare fuel. Yeah. You've got Freya Allen in there, who plays Siri in The Witcher. Yep. Great actress. There's some voices in there that I'm a bit like, ooh, sound very familiar. So you've got Peter Masson in there, who I don't know if you've watched The Orville. Uh, I've watched some of The Orville. He's Bortus, the guy with the weird head, the mock, the Mocklin. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he was one of the best characters. Yeah. Uh, you've got William H Macy in there. Got Neil Sandilands. It's a great name. In there, he was the Thinker in the Flash series. Oh, okay, in the TV series, yeah. Yeah, but I think from the trailer, it really looks quite good, to be honest. I think it looked very good. It, yeah. It definitely. It's been a while since we got a Planet of the Apes film. It's it, The trailer makes me want to watch I, it in the cinema. I Yeah. I enjoyed the last Planet of the Apes trilogy that they did. Um, and I, I just hope that, that this holds up. I do wonder like how long until they catch up to the original Planet of the Apes film. Like, Are they going to remake that at some point in this new continuity yeah because this is all about like it's a it's a new ape and it's like after the reign of caesar who was from the original trilogy and it's almost like some people preach caesar as like a moses-like figure yeah well i think that's from the original planet of the apes films because there were like five of them the original original films with uh charlton heston yeah uh, Caesar was uh, a a like a legendary figure in those films. Yeah, because they're essentially set like hundreds of years after these ones. Yeah, at, so at they, least hundreds. Yeah, they've kind of done like prequels with the, that first trilogy, but but no, I think it does look a really good film. I'm definitely going to try and watch this one in cinema. Yeah. It looks like, do you know one of them films that you can see the benefit you'd have from watching it in cinema? Yeah, like I said, it it looks like an epic. Okay, shall we shall we move on to Loki? What's that? Uh, he's a Norse god of mischief. Uh, yeah. Okay, so let's start by talking about episode four of Loki, which was titled The Heart of the TVA. You know what, So so last time we spoke... I was a bit unsure about this show, this season. I wasn't enjoying it as much. I've got to say, these last two episodes, 
I am. I, I think they have been the best two episodes of season two. Maybe the best two episodes of Loki. Apart from the first one, I feel like the first one is kind of perfect. The, the first, the, no. the first, and the fifth are my favorite. But I'll tell you what I I really enjoyed about these two episodes is that they have both surprised me. When we're we're so used to watching these kind of uh, of shows, we're so used to watching like the MCU. Anything that surprises you now is, you know, it, it makes it more interesting. And both of these episodes have surprised me. I also want to say that they are, this show is one of the best looking things that Marvel have done for years. The CGI on it is really good. With it's, the whole spaghettiness. It's not just the CGI. It is... More, it's like the you know, but just the set design and just yeah, everything about it, it just it looks cool. I don't know how else to explain it, but it looks cool. Yes, and we'll get more into it when we get on to episode six. But there was there was a particular shot in episode, uh, not episode six, sorry, episode five. There was a particular shot in that episode that I just thought looked so beautiful you would not have thought that it was from a straight-to-Disney-plus TV show. Before we kind of get into it, there are just a few key, like, low-key moments that I wanted to... Low-key? Low-key raise. Okay. You you can't just keep saying (laughs) low-key. It's only good the first time. (laughs) Because they've probably, like, two of my... Favorite parts of, of episode four. So when Aurobarus and Timely are talking to each other, and obviously he finds out that he wrote the book and everything, and that gave it to Timely, and there's the whole loop thing again. And he goes, yeah. "It's kind of like a snake eating its own tail." Yeah, like- and I, I kind of loved the irony or self awareness, whichever one it was. The, the lack the lack of self-awareness. Like, yes, that's <laughs> literally what your name means. Um, but my favourite, absolute, I don't care about anything else, but my hands-down favourite part of this episode was obviously they were shutting down Miss Minutes. Yeah. So she was glitching and timely goes, well, mocking isn't necessary because <laughs> she he thought she were taking yeah. the piss out of his stuff. I thought that was brilliant. I love the moment there when when she's like shutting down, and she, like just before she goes offline, she turns into like ASCII art. Yeah, like the lowest res possible version of Miss Minutes. Like maybe it was like a beta version of what became Miss Minutes. What did she um, say just before she went? Because it was basically "fuck you," it, weren't it? You'll never be him. Yeah, I think is what she said. <laughs> I was just like. Damn! Um, Okay. So at the end of the previous episode, we found out that there was a secret about Renslayer, and we both made it wasn't even a good secret. I'm sorry. Well, I can't remember what you predicted, but I I think you said something like she was working with him. Oh, but you know, you you thought that maybe she was Miss Minutes, didn't you? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, because I thought, I thought, and I still think it could be true, that she is a variant of Kang slash He Who Remains slash Victor Timely. 
Um, but the secret, it turns out, is just that they were working together and that she was basically betrayed and had her memory wiped. Which we already kind of knew. So they weren't yeah. telling us anything. Which is kind of why I think there's Miss more Minutes to is it. probably lying. No, I don't think she's lying, but I think there's more to it than that. I mean, while we're talking predictions, though, can I just point out that in episode one, I predicted that Loki is the person who uh, proved yeah, Loki, and we saw that play out. Yeah, in, but then uh, he kind of he, say, he says he says to Sylvia, "Is like it'll make sense." I'm like, when? <laughs> when is why is that going to make sense to her? It's not like she's from the past or anything. It's not like she's waiting for him to turn up like he did in one of the first episodes and tell her. Yeah, I don't know. I just. There were lots about this episode that I would just like, not that I didn't like, that I was just kind of neutral about. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was just watching it. Oh, no, I I really loved episode four. I mean, I loved episode five even more. But episode four, at, at the time, I thought was the best episode so far. And then, yeah, episode five came along and it was even better. Episode uh, five is amazing. But episode four as well made me really like Victor Timely. <laughs> you hated Which, that, didn't you? You're told all along that this is a dangerous guy and that he is going to basically become a he who remains equivalent. And then at the end of this episode, he basically sacrifices himself for everyone. Like, he doesn't know he's going to be sacrificing <laughs> himself, but he, he puts himself his in harm's way. His skin peeled off his body like spaghetti. Yeah. He put himself in harm's way rather than letting anybody else. So, you you know, you've got to think at that point that he's a, he's a genuine guy. Like, I did wonder up until then if, if this was all an act. But no, I, I think he actually is a genuine guy. And I, I loved some of his performances in this as well. You mentioned earlier the conversation between he uh, between Victor Timely and Aroboros. And when, when Aroboros says, like, oh, I, I based everything in the manual on someone called Victor Timely. And he kind of, he, I don't know, that there's just subtleties to his reaction. He kind of does a little squeak. He's like, oh, like as he realizes this weird loop that they've got caught in, like a snake eating its own tail, as Mr. Aroboros himself says. Uh, Rob, oh, Ross. Ross. I, I, I do like how Miss Minutes just seems... Like, full of sheer glee when people are getting murdered. Oh, yeah. I, we have not seen the she's last of Miss Minutes. She's a psychopath. We have not seen the last of Miss Minutes. I think Do you know what we're saying? Be... Like, we we love Miss Minutes. She's so nice and cute and funny. She's a psycho. Yeah, I mean, we talked last week about that, that smirk that she had when she realised that Ravona had just, like, put her foot in it by saying we'll be partners. And then she she like smiles like yeah I've I've found a way to screw her over here. And then when she's and, squeezing people in jelly, she's like, <laughs> and then yeah, that's like taken to another another level. I've got to say that is one of the most uncomfortable I have felt in any Marvel thing ever. Like like it doesn't show just on it the yet. on the basis that you think they might show you something. 
Oh, I mean, it doesn't show it you, but I feel like it's worse. For, it's it's one of those things where it leaves it up to the imagination. And what a horrible, horrible... Did you just imagine like a, a small red cube? Well, you've got to imagine that's what it becomes eventually. Just like super compressed, like a lot of people in there. Just, yeah, I, I cannot think of a much worse way to be killed than being slowly crushed to death. Yeah, you've obviously never caught your dick in a mandolin. Not not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've not pissed off the wife of that much yet. <laughs> I did see yes. someone's out there prediction for episode five from episode four, and I thought yeah. it was quite funny. They basically said that the crew gets blasted into a dinosaur-infested savage land where Wolverine and the X-Men are stranded. Because their reasoning was there's got to be a reason why the time looms blast doors are an X. I, I've seen so many people talking about that, and I, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think it's as anything. I don't think it's a a hint at X Men. Like it, if anything, it might just be like a homage. But I don't think it's like. This is going to be Cerebro or anything like that. that Marvel see all these like all these people talking about it and they go, but you know what we should do? <laughs> Make the TVA X Men's hideout. I, I yeah, I, I cannot imagine next week's episode suddenly introducing mutants to the MCU. <laughs> like if Are anything they... if anything does that next Friday, it will be the Marvels. Well yeah, because we already know she's a mutant. Because, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's not let's not get off topic. We will be talking about the Marvels at some point in the future, <laughs> or in the past. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Greatest Doctor Who line ever. I mean, yeah, something that is basically just a throwaway line at the time, but just <laughs> it just felt like it encapsulated that show so well. What did you think about Timely being absolutely fascinated by Hogan? I think you would be, wouldn't you? If you'd come from a time without it. <laughs> it's just, I think they had Coco, but it was the fact it was a machine that gave yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. What did you make of the moment where he, like, he, 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 he does some work to the machine and, like, improves it and then offers it to one of the TVA, like, agents that's watching over him? Because I've seen some people being like that, so like it just shows that he's like this genuine sweet guy. He wanted he wanted this TVA agent to try it. Whereas I was thinking like he's checking to see if it's poisoned. Oh, the hot cocoa. Yeah, yeah. Did you think anything of it or I, uh, I just I just thought he was like, You're staring at me weird. Maybe I'll be nice and offer you cocoa. <laughs> Maybe. I thought he was like trying to be nice so the guy didn't kill him. Because I feel like he's he's very paranoid, was very paranoid. Yeah, I mean, surely, so, yeah, he's, he's got to be coming back. Or is this where they bring another variant in? It could be, it could be, but I don't know. I feel like we, we've not we... seen the last of Timely, and at this point, I kind of hope that we've not seen the last of Timely. Oh, you've changed your attitude. Um, no, no, like... Not talking, not discussing, you know, the off-air drama, not discussing the actor himself, but just in terms of the show, I did get to really like that variant and would like to see more of them. 
I would rather them do that and focus on him rather than just keep killing off Kangs and then introducing a new one before you can get to care about any of them. Yeah, because you kind of do start to care about him in this episode. Yeah, and that, that moment where he does go out and... The way that he's, he's already like, I need to do this. It's like, okay. And, and you know, we've already seen Mobius in episode one go out there and, and survive and come back. And, you know, it, it, his suit was like starting to flake off and it was starting to affect him. Uh, but it was quite a slow process. Sorry for him to walk out and just like instantly spaghetti. I wish I like my I my mouth was open. I was like, wait, what? The? Yeah, and that's what I mean. Where like it surprised me. I I was not expecting that at all. Um, especially not not that quick and not that instant. Like I said, um, you thought it was going to be a race suspenseful thing. Yeah, the the other thing you know we've already spoke about the other thing that did surprise me though was was Renslayer basically just um it, it's 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 more than just murdering those people. It's it's like an execution. And it it really did show uh her true colours, I think. Because she, you know, she's claiming that what she wants is to take back control of the TVA to to, to protect it and to you know, they want to save the TVA and they want to save the sacred timeline and but the fact that that the first thing she does when she comes back to the TVA isn't go and try and save it, isn't go and try and protect the loom, isn't anything like that. The first thing she does is try and get people on her side, and when they refuse, she kills them. She doesn't even do like they're in prison. They're not even a threat. She could have just left them locked in that room. Yeah, but I think that shows her true intention. Is she's power. pissed as well? Her true intention there, I think. It, she she's on a quest for power. She wants she wants to be in charge of the TVA for no other reason than to be in charge of the TVA. Not if if she's claiming that she's just wanting to protect the timeline. I think she's lying to herself. She did say like I've been gone for three days and what else happened? It just kind it kind of shows her own. Ego, more than anything. No, that's Peter Quill's dad. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> it's that. It's the, it's the, it's ostrich. the ostrich. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like I said, it 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 leaves all that up to the imagination. Um, and then afterwards, uh, I can never quite remember a designation. Is it like B fifteen? Yeah. Um, she walks into to that prison and. Again, it never shows you what she sees. I kind of wish it would. It just shows you her looking horrified, because you can, you can only imagine what like it must just be like blood and gore and viscera and no recognizable actual people left. But just in a cube. I don't think it would have been left in a cube. I think it was. That's how I imagined it. I just seen a. A red cube, just just a cube of goo. Yeah, I kind of imagined that you know she's crushed them, and then she would have turned the box thing off, and would have just gone mush all over the floor. Either way, it's pretty gnarly <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's not nice either way. I did like a lot of the visual signatures in this. 
as the TVA is kind of breaking down a lot of the like camera dips and shakes and a lot of the colours were looking a lot more grey. Yeah. In certain places. But it was really subtle. Yeah, and like I said, just, just the, the way this is shot, it doesn't just feel like it doesn't feel like generic superhero stuff. It does I don't know, it, it feels elevated just by uh by by the camera work and the general uh mise en scène of the show. Like so the moment when so Brad uh uses the pruning stick on the TVA agent who's trying the hot chocolate. And there's just like a slow motion shot of a hot chocolate hitting the floor. It looks really good. It's like I say, it's just really well filmed. And then obviously, without miss minutes, there uh, Loki and Silver can use magic, so they possess his mind, and he he sticks Ravona. He does. I, I kind of feel like in doing that, they may have saved her, because if anywhere is safe from the. So, you know, we're jumping forward, but the spaghettification that seems to now be affecting all timelines. If anywhere is safe from that, surely it is the end of time. Well, I don't know, because we talked about this. It's on the other side of the loom, isn't it? So surely the radiation's spreading there as well. Who knows? So we've already talked about the scene after that where they're discussing who, who is going to go out. Victor Timely, valiantly offers to, to go and do it himself and is instantly spaghettified. So then moving on to episode five of Loki, which is called Science Slash Fiction. I did like the title. I thought this episode it, was great. Y- yeah. And in the in visuals ways, of this episode. In some ways it felt like a bit of a filler episode. Uh, in terms of story, like, you know, we're, we're taking a break from everything that's yeah. happening on the TVA. But and I feel like for Loki's character progression... Exactly, yeah, it, it did feel like there was there was character development in there that justified taking a step away from the main story. I feel like it kind of... Do you know how you were talking about like, he seems to have changed very quickly? Yeah. I feel like it kind of gives credit to that. Well, He's just terrified of being alone, which he kind of would be after watching all that whole video. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, and... I, I, so I do feel like it is massive character development and catches a few questions. Yeah, and and like after that is kind of answered when you know him and and Sylvia talking, and he he comes to that realization himself that that what he's doing isn't actually to, to be admiral or to be noble. It's because he wants his friends back and he doesn't want to be on his own. It kind of puts that opening scene into a different perspective where he's just wandering around in empty TVA and he just looks so sad and lonely. Yeah. Like he's and just he sees wandering. himself and he's like, hello? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and then he time slips again and becomes that version of him. And... <laughs> Even though he must know that's himself that's just said hello to him, he kind of lo- looks back and is like, "Hello," like Friend? he just, yeah, he just like, like you said, doesn't want to be there on his own. I think he probably watched that video back and just went, 
I've been alone my entire life. And the one time that I wasn't, I died. Yeah. So I think we got we got a lot of backstory for the different TVA agents. We found out who a lot of them were. Who were you most surprised by? Um, I mean, maybe the guy who was a prisoner on Alcatraz. That's what I was going to say, Casey. Like, I was just like, okay, this is like really nice nerdy guy is actually like a bad fucker. Because they didn't put anyone, but, they didn't put just anyone in Alcatraz, did they? No, but again, that's like, like Azkaban. That that whole like escaping Alcatraz like scene feels so like moody like the way it's the way it's shot and just the camera work and the shadows and the kind of lack of color it's very it's very it felt very suspenseful scene. as well because i was kind of like don't like, like don't get caught don't get caught just like i i felt like i i could have stuck with I, I can't remember what he says his name is there but casey frank like escaping alcatraz for like a, a full episode that it did feel like there's, you know, there's clearly a story there. Yeah, he'd obviously thought about it as well, because obviously the, he had that hole cut out in the wall. Yeah. But yeah, so we see that. Uh, we see B, B15 is a the children's doctor. She like a paediatrician? She, maybe she's just a doctor. Yeah. But um, as a surprise to nobody, Mobius is a jet ski salesman <laughs> do you know what was surprising that it was in ohio where there's very little use for jet skis yeah it must have I some mean, like lakes there's, there's some lakes but it's it's in just a, a stream rel- relatively pretty warm yeah deserty place i'm gonna get a jet ski just for just for going up and down canal um ob is a science fiction writer and scientist yeah i feel do you know what he's only a scientist for the money he's a science fiction writer in his heart it was the fact that he he just he didn't need any convincing yeah he was just like yeah okay cool let's go yeah he is the one who is most like him, his TVA self. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of the the wording to say it, but he is. He's not really changed. Yeah, which, again, is, is a reason that there could be more to him. I liked when he came through the thing and, he's like, and Luke was like, that was really quick to build the tempad. And he was like, 19 months, I wouldn't say 19 months is quick. My wife left me, and I was like, "Jesus <laughs> Christ!" Yeah, this man comes through, he tells you a load of bullshit, and you're like, "Cool, let me devote yeah. every second yeah. to this. I, I will devote my life to this. <laughs> I will neglect my wife for this." Yeah, but I mean, he kind of he he has seen him uh, time slip, hasn't he? Yeah. So I feel like once you've seen something like that, maybe you're on board. Because you know that there's there's something big there. I guess so did B fifteen, and she didn't really. There wasn't really a scene of him convincing her. Yeah. So he came to everyone and was like, "This is going to sound weird." And then went Sylvia and was like, "This is going to sound weird." And she's like, "What are you on about, Loki?" 
Yeah, well, I did think that. Like, if everyone everyone has been sent back to their, like, original lives, her original life wouldn't have been working at McDonald's. Her original life would have been living on Asgard. Uh, So I did think that when he said it, like, surely this this isn't her, like, thrust back into her original life. This is her... I mean, it's got something to do with them being gods. Potentially, yeah. And not having a timeline to go back to, I guess. Because surely theirs were pruned. Well, I mean, they were all pruned. But now they have unpruned. They've, like, regrown. I don't think they've unpruned. I think more timelines have just formed. No, from what Sylvia is saying, like this is this is them before they were taken by the TVA. So this is everyone's original lives. This is what everyone is meant to actually be doing. This is like this is a version of Mobius that was never. No, I just meant Sylvia and Loki's lines were definitely pruned. Well, yeah, but like I said, so was everybody else's because was it the... though, or was it yeah, just because. Because just just remember the diagram of the sacred timeline was a single line. Yeah. There were no other timelines until he who remains was killed and then they all grew back out. Um, but no, so the, the shot that I was talking about earlier that I just thought was an amazing shot was when Sylvie puts the record on. Yeah. And she sits back on the chair, and the, the the music starts playing. The camera pans up, and you see—I don't know—you you see the loneliness and sadness in her face. Nothing needs to be said to understand. Yeah, and just that—that that shot on its own just felt like. It felt like it could have been out of some low budget uh, indie... indie film. Yeah, yeah, like it, a it... pulp fiction kind of thing. Um, and then when everything starts spaghettifying around her, and that music is still playing, it just yeah that that whole scene like really, I found it quite moving. I thought you was gonna say the bit with Loki when everything's spaghettifying around him and he's like he's trying to grasp yeah. at things. Yeah, that that bit is great as well. But like I say, when you when you first see Victor Timely get spaghettified, it's quick and it's instant and it's shocking. But this time when things start spaghettifying, it's it's much slower and you get to see people reacting to it. So as the guy that owns that record store, when he's like running towards Sylvie, like he's going to save her somehow, um, like he can see around what's happening to him and you've still got that music playing in the background. And it reminded me of the snap. Yeah, yeah, in a way. You know, with the dust. Yeah. Especially this, the more major characters like with Spider-Man when he was feeling it and it was... And it was that's, yeah yeah that sort of feel yeah no so that was great so so I think that we were both right about something here so so we were discussing why does the loom need repairing and the TVA need saving 
so I'd said it's because they need like a line of defense against Kang. Um, and I think that is true that that's what they understood because Loki even says like without the TVA, there is no safeguard against what's coming. There's no protection against what's coming. Are you just trying to spin your wrongness as being right? No, 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 because but, Loki literally says that. That's not why Yeah, but then Sylvie goes the there. Sylvie's like, no, bullshit. What's the real reason? Yeah, but I think that is... <laughs> it's like, yeah, what, well, Yeah, Yeah, no, because that, that is what he understands is going to happen without the TVA, but that's not the real reason he wants to save the TVA. The real reason is because he wants his friends. Um, But you were right in that everything is going to... All the timelines are going to be destroyed without that looming place. Bullshit. For some reason, but none of them quite seem to understand. Even as it blew as up around the <laughs> around the timelines. That was surely that was like, do you know if this thing blows up around timelines? Those timelines aren't going to be intact, are they? But it's like the, the timelines aren't like blown up. It's like they are subjected to the same radiation. Well, without the loom, they're unraveling. I think that's all the radiation is. It's just unraveling. Maybe the loom needs to be like safely dismantled rather than letting it blow up. And then the timelines aren't all going to be held together in one spot yeah. where the radiation is going to affect, like they, they can spread out more. Or Loki can just untied. magic himself to place the thing and actually adjust the, the rings. That's the only way I can see it doing. So obviously, when they go back to it, they still need to get back to a time where Timely's there. Yeah. Or so he obviously he goes back to as Timely's just walked down the stairs. Yeah. From the shot that I can see, which means the radiation's still bad. So the only yeah, way but... I can see around it is some sort of Loki magic to do it potentially, but as but... As we've seen, his doubles can physically interact with things, can't they? Sometimes. We've seen it both sides. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I said earlier that these these two episodes I enjoyed so much because they surprised me. Like, end of episode four, when everything blows up and it's like the, the screen just goes white, I, I, was, I, I don't know what happens from there. Like, I had no idea what was coming. And then what we got was like Loki getting the band back together. I, I didn't see that coming at all. And then end of this episode, like all the timelines basically spaghettify. And it ended and I'm like, I, I don't know what happens from but here. But Lo Loki seems to have gained a new superpower. Basically, yeah. Is he always going to be able to do that now? Who knows? Like, Because that's kind of a cool superpower. I used to, yeah, definitely. It's a rewind button. I mean, it's not just that. It is. He could become Captain Hindsight. It is basically the power of the TARDIS. He can go any place in space and time. Yeah. But Maybe presumably... that's how they bring the Doctor Who specials around. <laughs> but presumably across multiple timelines as well. Uh, so, so yeah, I. Every time he time slips, though, all I can imagine is that video of seeing how they were, how it was filmed. Of him just waving his arms about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, as I said, I don't know where this goes next episode. I, you know, one of the 
things I always like to do on this podcast is make predictions to see if we can get it right. I have none. I have, I have no predictions to make. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen apart from... It's, the, a, fine, it's, it's a finale as well. So it's, it's like... Nothing to do with X-Men is my only prediction. <laughs> it, my prediction is that Loki and Sylvie... You're going to make babies. I was trying to say it in a less cringy way because she said, shout at me every time I say something sexual. I was going to say... Loki and Sylvie getting home, <laughs> but it, but in not in a creepy way, in a romantic way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we like candles and yeah, Marvin Gaye. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note, let's end it there for this week. Uh, so we will be back next week. So we've got two big things coming up that we need to talk about. One is the finale of Loki. The other is the Marvels. Um, I think we make about two separate episodes. Boy. Yep. We don't want to overload them because they're used to us like once a year. But... <laughs> uh, so so the next episode we do, we'll be discussing the finale of Loki. Uh, and that will be out around the same time next week. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email notnpod at gmail.com or you can message us on Twitter at News of the Nerd. If you have any theories about what happens in the next episode, I would love to hear them because I have none. Uh, if you would like to help this podcast grow, if you're enjoying listening to the podcast, then one of the best things you can do for us is subscribe and give us a rating on your podcast app of choice, uh, especially iTunes. So if you listen on, on an iPhone, please give us a rating on iTunes. And word of mouth is always great. So tell anybody that you think would be interested in listening to this. Tell your friends, tell your family, uh, tell Henry Cavill's mum for some reason, because apparently that's a thing that we say now. <laughs> Don't tell Thor's mum she's dead. Oh, too soon. <laughs> uh, so that's goodbye from me for this week. Buenas noches. Buenas noches.